Thank you for watching NTD Business. Coming up, the EPA tells residents in an Ohio town they are safe after a train spilled hazardous chemicals there earlier this month. But many are still scared and concerned. Tesla recalling all of its full self-driving vehicles. What's the potential problem and what's Tesla doing about it? U.S. household debt jumping to a record high, seeing the largest quarterly increase in 20 years. The Congressional Budget Office warning the U.S. could soon default on its debt if Congress doesn't act. What's the holdup? The tech sector is seeing weakening demand and companies are reducing inventory. How's the outlook for this year? We get an overview from S&P Global Ratings. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here. Another tech company announcing plans for layoffs. Today's software company DocuSign said it would reduce its workforce by around 10%. The company specializes in e-signature software and digital document management. As of January last year, it employed nearly 7,500 workers. DocuSign pushed a 9% staff cut later that year in September. Now it says the latest round will affect about 700 employees and that the move will support the company's growth and profitability. While tech companies are laying off workers, farm equipment makers are trying to snatch them up. Tractor maker Deer and Rivals are eager to hire more tech workers as they expand into smart farming technology like autonomous tractors. In the past, it was hard to compete with Silicon Valley, but recently companies like Deer have tried to be more flexible. For example, with remote work or opening offices in big cities so people don't have to relocate. Deer opened offices in Chicago and Austin, Texas. The global director of talent at Deer told Reuters, In the past, they would have made people relocate, but now they're going where the talent is. Despite the recent high-profile tech layoffs, the U.S. labor market remains strong. A report out today from the Labor Department shows last week's jobless claims hit a historically low number. 194,000 applied for jobless benefits for the first time last week. This is below economists' expectations. Now, on the topic of layoffs, especially for tech, what are the prospects for finding a new job after being let go? Is the tech sector seeing high unemployment? Well, it turns out the tech sector is actually in good shape. We spoke with recruitment firm Robert Half to get an idea. Joining me is Megan Slepinski, District President for Talent Solutions at Robert Half. So Megan, you know, we're hearing a lot of layoffs in tech from big and small companies, but from Robert Half, are you seeing that as well? We're not. We're seeing the you know, staff reductions in the tech industry be limited primarily to big tech. And the overall health of the tech industry is very strong right now as it relates to hiring. There are nearly two job openings for every unemployed tech worker in the United States. So this is in the tech sector amid you know layoffs from, uh, from Google, Amazon, all, all the big names. We're still tight in, in the tech labor market. Correct. Big tech represents a small subset of the overall technology employment market, and we have sub-2% unemployment rates for the top 10 technology positions right now. Additionally, we're hearing, based off of our latest Robert Half hiring survey, that 64% of all tech hiring managers plan on adding net new staff in the first half of 2023, and they also, 74% look to add new contract staff 
So that's a very robust hiring market for technology professionals right now. I see. So I, I would assume that people laid, being laid off, they would have no problem finding other jobs at other companies. Correct. It's obviously incredibly unfortunate and personal when somebody is laid off, and, and I don't want to downplay that experience. But the good news is 80% of all technology professionals that have been laid off are finding a new position inside of three months. So that should be encouraging for anybody that's been negatively impacted by a layoff. Wow. And what's the pay like after switching? Well, salaries are still increasing in the technology sector, according to our latest Robert Half salary guide. On average, it's about 3 to 5% higher than it was last year for technology salaries. And salary remains the number one motivator for technology employees. What I would say is, as long as the supply and demand balance remains in the favor of the employee, there is a tremendous candidate shortage and employers have to step up and be competitive in their compensation packages. What are some of the highest uh, seeked positions uh, right now? Some of the top positions that we're seeing in demand are full stack developers, business analytics, as well as networking and infrastructure support positions. Those round out kind of the top five technology positions open and looking right now. I see, I see. And let's say somebody did get laid off. Uh, they're looking for a new job. What would be the biggest tip you have for them? My advice really falls in three areas. Number one is reflection, spending time to think about your career path and where you wanna go in your next move. Um, also knowing what are your deal makers and deal breakers as you enter into any kind of job search. Secondarily, I would say act with urgency. Make sure your online profile as well as your resume are up to speed and start applying to jobs right now before the market might get more competitive. And lastly, I would say the importance of networking, both online and in person, spending time to reach out to former colleagues, mentors, industry associates, and let people know that you are actively looking for a new opportunity. And quickly, just one last thing, what's your outlook for the tech sector in the short term and as well in the long term? So our hiring outlook, the survey that I referenced is for the first six months of 2023. So that's the encouraging news around 64% of, of employers looking to add new full-time technology staff. What happens in the latter half of this year uh, remains to be seen, but I think the jobs report in January coming in at a four month high was encouraging and a little bit surprising news for a lot of us. So the hiring outlook for tech remains strong through the first half of 2023. All right, thank you very much for your insight today, Megan. Pleasure having you on. Thank you. Bad news for Tesla. It's recalling all of its vehicles equipped with what the company calls full self-driving. The recall affects nearly 363,000 vehicles. The recall notice was issued by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. The agency says the full self-driving feature can cause the vehicle to violate traffic laws in certain rare circumstances. Tesla will attempt to fix the problem through a software update. It's unclear whether the company will alter the feature to make it safer or if the update will simply deactivate the feature. Tesla stock down nearly 6% today. GE Healthcare is the latest company to make a bet on artificial intelligence. The Wall Street Journal reports it's looking to build a platform for hospitals to help them make use of patients' data. The software would use imaging data and medical records and help doctors with diagnosis or treatments using algorithms, the journal reported. GE Healthcare is a known brand in the healthcare industry, but other big tech firms like Google and Microsoft are already working with hospitals for similar services. 
GE Healthcare has tapped someone who worked at Amazon for machine learning to help with the project, according to the journal. For a more in-depth outlook on AI and the tech sector overall, we spoke with the credit analyst at S&P Global Ratings. Joining me is Christian Frank, analyst at S&P Global Ratings. Now, now Christian, uh, with this chat GTP, if you will, taking the world by storm and this sort of renewed focus on AI, what do you think, let's say fast forward five years, which companies would benefit the most from this uh, growing use of AI? Yeah, I think uh, you're right. It's it's kind of the wild west right now. Uh, I, I think we're pivoting from a research mode to a, a broader product rollout. And this is going to create openings for lots of disruption. Uh, and so it is kind of difficult to pick winners and losers. But I will say that all the big players are all the big tech players uh, who you would be familiar with are working on it. Uh, they have the investment scale and they also have the capacity to buy what they need. Uh, if I'm going to pick a winner, it would be Google because they have the biggest team, they can get very good people. They have the product breadth with you know search, Android, Maps, Chrome, Google, YouTube, you name it. Uh, all these products will be feeding data into, the, into their AI, making it even better. And they've been prioritizing AI for years and baking it into their products behind the scene. Right, and I wanted to touch on your report as well. You said uh, US tech companies are facing significant inventory Correction. Now, this was interesting to me. Could you expand a little bit on that? Yeah. So, first point is that you have demand turning in key markets. So, smartphone, PCs, data center, enterprise demand is all uh, all peaking and and in some cases falling. Uh, and combined on top of that uh, is the safety inventory that these companies have built uh, during COVID when supply was tight. So, inventory is is much higher than normal. Uh, because these companies were afraid of stockouts because they couldn't get supply. But now, now that the demand is easing, uh, we're sort of moving, pivoting the other way. It used to be uh, that their that their uh, inventory strategy was just in case. Now we're kind of pivoting back to just in time. And so that creates the conditions for uh, a classic uh, inventory drawdown. And so what does that mean for investors? I think you should, investors should count on revenue weakness from a lot of these suppliers in the first half. Uh, but we are expecting a, uh, that inventory to correction to mostly play out in the first half, and then they should expect a rebound uh, in the second half, uh, also aided by a macroeconomic uh, rebound, which we're expecting. So in respect to China reopening its borders, uh, dropping the COVID-19 zero policy, what do you think that would affect in terms of the tech industry? Yeah, so for we cover U.S. tech, and so for U.S. tech, the most important end market from China is smartphone. And so, yeah, Apple did okay in China, uh, this last quarter, it was really the Chinese OEMs that were down 20 to 30 percent on units, and this is mostly in the low to mid range. And so, our thesis is that reopening is going to be uh, very important for this segment of the market, uh, partly because a big majority of these purchases are made in retail stores. And so, uh, you put on top of that uh, an easy comparable period in the second half. Uh, I think that's when we will see uh, uh, the rebound coming into play is, is in the second half. Um, and we're expecting an acceleration of GDP growth in China in 2023. So that's going to help other markets like data center and enterprise. So taking in mind everything uh, you, you just uh, talked about, what do you think is the outlook uh, for the tech sector in 2023 from an investment perspective? Yeah, so uh, we, we're not equity analysts, but I can talk about our view for credit. Uh, we are the investment grade space is, is mostly safe. Uh, 
because they have good market positions. Even these companies, even these hardware companies that you might expect to see earnings pressure in the first half, like Dell and the HPs, uh, there's cushion in those credit ratings to absorb a mild recession. Uh, the exception is, is Intel. It's the only U.S. tech company that has a negative outlook, and that's because of the big investments they need to make to catch up to TSMC. Uh, where we're really seeing weakness in the not is in the non-investment grade space. So I would highlight uh, hardware companies um, uh, in, in that space. They're a little bit less differentiated. They they have less scale, less less wherewithal to to and less cushion in their ratings to absorb a downturn. And then we've also got our eyes on LBOs that that uh, that that have exposure to floating rate debt and that are sensitive to uh, to increasing interest rates. All right. Thank you so much for your insight today, Christian. Uh, pleasure having you on. Thanks for having me. On Wall Street, stocks ended sharply lower today. The Dow fell 431 points or 1.3 percent. S&P dropped 57 points or 1.4 percent. Nasdaq lost 215 points or 1.8 percent. EPA Administrator Michael Regan visited the Ohio town of East Palestine today. This is where a train carrying hazardous chemicals derailed, releasing them into the environment. Regan reassured residents that the government is taking action. All families need to know that they are safe. We've had things on the ground leading robust air quality testing, including the advanced technological aspect plane and a mobile analytical laboratory in and around East Palestine. Since the fire went out, EPA air monitoring has not detected any levels of health concern in the community that are attributed to the, to the train derail. Regan says government agencies are still testing the groundwater. But before it's fully tested, he recommends everyone drink bottled water. But residents are still concerned and confused about the situation. Since the train derailed, releasing toxic chemicals, hundreds of animals have died. The air itself is still making residents feel discomfort. Officials evacuated residents. Some are wary of going back. One resident, Nate Velez, doesn't think it's safe, even though government agencies say it is. I've gone back a few times and it, it does. It, the smell makes you sick, hurts your head. And everyone is, you know, they're miserable. The whole town is, is miserable. And that's the best way to describe it. We spoke with Epoch Times reporter Jeff Lauderback, who just spent three days in East Palestine. Residents told them they're still seeking answers. They're afraid. Uh, they don't know about short term and long term. They don't know. They're worried if they can even take a shower, if it's safe to take a shower, it's safe to drink the water. People who own chickens and goats are afraid whether it's uh, they can have the eggs or eat the chicken meat or drink the goat milk. Uh, people are afraid when, you know, it's about spring, so gardens are going to be planted. They're afraid uh, if that's going to be healthy. They don't know about the soil. Another resident who left is Jamie Kaza. She's currently staying at a hotel, which the railroad company is paying for. She also doesn't want to go back. I feel like I can't be back in my town. Um, and that's what one had just messaged me on Facebook and said, you know, I'm stuck in my home because I have a mortgage. People are feeling like they're being forced back because they don't have money to go anywhere else. Um, and she shared with me, you know, where would I go? I said, we're not sure where we're going to go. Uh, you know, my family has been in that area for generations. So is it safe for the residents to go back? For more insight, we spoke with scientist and chemistry professor Scott Hopkins. He says he wouldn't swim in the Ohio River, but he'd be willing to travel to the town himself. And certainly early on, there were reports of 
severe irritation. You know, there I, I read a, a news clip that um, somebody said that their child's eyes had turned blood red, and of course that's totally in line with the the impact of the chemical if it's in high concentration in the air. Um, but given the the recent measurements, it sounds like it's it's dissipated. Hopkins said that the spilled chemicals scatter quickly, which can do two things. The initial wave can kill many surrounding animals, but at the same time, the chemicals leave the area and are no longer there in high concentration. Hopkins also talked about why residents still feel discomfort when they're in the area. There's still chemicals in the environment, but based on EPA guidelines, they're below concentration levels that do serious harm and have prolonged effects. EPA Commissioner Michael Regan says the government will hold railroad company Norfolk Norfolk Southern accountable. Norfolk Southern, meanwhile, says it's established a $1 million fund to support East Palestine. The company says it will stay in the area and work until East Palestine is recovered and thriving. Moving on. Obviously, when interest rates are high, it's the least ideal time to take on new debt. But according to a new Federal Reserve Bank of New York report, That's exactly what Americans are doing. The report says household debt hit $16.9 trillion last quarter. That's a $394 billion increase over the past three months. Most of that is in the form of mortgages. Credit card debt also increased by more than 6.5% to $986 billion. That's the largest quarterly growth since 1999. That's when record-keeping began at the New York Fed. With the high debt level, more Americans are delinquent on their payments. And rising delinquency rates during a strong labor market worries economists. The federal government could default on its debt between July and September if Congress doesn't act. That's the finding of a Congressional Budget Office report out Wednesday. Here's the CBO director. We project that if the debt limit remains unchanged, the government's ability to borrow using these extraordinary measures will be exhausted between July and September of 2023 of this year. The CBO stresses the government could run out of money sooner, for example, if April tax receipts come in lower than expected. The two parties have yet to work out any solution. Republicans who control the House don't want to raise the debt limit without deep cuts in spending. Democrats, in turn, say the debt limit should not be held hostage. The nation hit its debt ceiling of over $31 trillion in mid-January. Meanwhile, the CBO estimates that the U.S. is on track to adding $19 trillion more to the national debt in 10 years if current laws remain in place. Moving on to China. Today, the country put Lockheed Martin and Raytheon on a sanctioned list over arms sales to Taiwan. Beijing's banning them from imports and exports related to China. Alex Cohen has more on the story. China is going after Lockheed Martin and Raytheon. It has put the defense companies on an unreliable entities list over arms sales to Taiwan, banning them from imports and exports related to China. These are Beijing's latest sanctions against the two U.S. firms, and they come as tensions between China and the U.S. have escalated after the U.S. military shot down what it says was a Chinese spy balloon and a day after Beijing warned of countermeasures against relevant U.S. entities that undermine China's sovereignty and security. Neither company sells defense products to China. Raytheon declined to comment. Lockheed could not be immediately reached for comment. 
Lockheed makes the F-22 Raptor fighter jet, which flew the mission to shoot down the alleged Chinese spy balloon off the coast of South Carolina using the AIM-9X Sidewinder missile made by Raytheon. Beijing also banned the companies from further investment in China, barred senior management from entering the country, canceled residence permits for any staff in China, and imposed fines that are double the contracted amounts of their arms sales to Taiwan. It was not clear how China would enforce such fines, which it said must be paid within 15 days. Last February, China sanctioned the two firms over a $100 million arms sale to Taiwan, a self-ruled island which Beijing views as a breakaway province. The U.S. does not sell weapons to China. However, it is bound by the 1979 Taiwan Relations Act to provide Taiwan with the means to defend itself, and U.S. weapons sales always attract China's anger. And we'll take a break now, but if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come, Americans losing even more faith in the news media, according to a new report. How many still have a good opinion? And Chick-fil-A opening a rest station for delivery workers in New York City. That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. Half of Americans believe news organizations intend to mislead and misinform with the reporting. That's according to an annual report released Wednesday by the Gallup and Knight Foundation. It asked Americans how they view the press, and the results were grim. The results say only 26% of Americans hold a favorable opinion of the news media. That's the lowest level recorded by the organizations over the past five years. And only 23% said they believe national newsrooms care about the best interests of their audiences. Meanwhile, Americans are having more difficulty than ever determining what to believe. 61% of respondents said the increase in information across the media landscape has made it harder to sort bad information from good. Chick-fil-A has created a resting spot for delivery workers in New York City. The fast food chain has built a break room for people who make deliveries for apps like DoorDash, Uber Eats, or Grubhub. The Upper East Side storefront will be open for a few months. The break room features places to sit and rest, coffee and tea, restrooms, and outlets to charge devices. It even has an indoor bike dock. Delivery workers will have access to it from February 16th through April 13th. The space will be available from Monday through Saturday, but will be closed on Sundays. And before we go, here's a little reminder to treat others as you would like to be treated. Because tomorrow is National Random Acts of Kindness Day. It's a day that anyone can celebrate. It just requires doing something nice for someone. That could mean writing your mail carrier a thank you note, volunteering at a food bank, or just brighten someone's day by giving them a compliment or a smile. National Random Acts of Kindness Day is a reminder to have compassion and be selfless and kind to each other every day. And that's all from the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter as well. If you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you tomorrow.